This is a podcast by The Straits Times. I recall what happened when I was still working in a hedge fund back in 2013-2014. In my hedge fund, we then were on this um, very popular trade of a certain Japanese conglomerate. This conglomerate had three main divisions. One was a department store, the other bit was a bank, and the third bit was a convenience store. Now, the bank and the convenience store were wildly popular, but we kept doing the analysis and we found that the department store was just perennially loss-making. And so I tried to convince management. I explained to them, look, shareholders' return on capital would significantly improve and your conglo would trade at a much better multiple if you simply sell off or shut down your department store. So when I tried to convey my message for a third time, I was very unceremoniously told to stop pushing the point. The chairman has personal reasons for keeping the department store alive and it has nothing to do with profits. I was told unequivocally, we will never sell the department store. The good news is, in November 2022, I'm pleased to share that this conglomerate did announce that it would sell its department store division. So yes, this time it is different. It has taken Japan a while to fully embrace Abenomics, but now they're doing it, they're doing it in force. Welcome to Invest Talk. This is a series by the Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. At Invest Talk, we talk money matters and all things related to investing. We want to give you that extra edge in managing your hard-earned money. I'm Lee Sushan, Associate Editor and Senior Columnist at The Straits Times. Joining me in the studio is my guest, Ong Ai Ling, Portfolio Manager and Head of AIOI at Lion Global Investors. AIOI stands for Artificial Intelligence of Investments. Welcome, Eiling. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Today, we discuss the latest developments in the Exchange Traded Fund or ETF market. ETF investing in Singapore has been popular among investors. Assets under management or AUM doubled since the end of 2019 to over $10 billion between December 2019 and October 2023, based on SGX numbers. The number of direct retail investors has also doubled over this period, while AUM managed by robo-advisors tripled to approximately $1 billion. It's timely that SGX and the industry are taking steps to develop the ETF market further. In December 2023, SGX announced that actively managed ETFs will be listed on the SGX as part of the aim to provide investors with more options. The move will also encourage innovation in the asset management space. So let's find out more. First, Eiling, could we start by understanding what are ETFs and how they fit into an investor's portfolio? An ETF usually tracks an underlying index or asset, correct? Yes, indeed. So ETFs, or what are known as exchange-traded funds, they're essentially investment funds that are traded and listed on a stock exchange. So instead of having to perform deep research and buying individual stocks, investing into ETFs offer investors the opportunity to build a well-diversified portfolio with a relatively small capital outlay. There are two types of ETFs, namely passive ETFs and active ETFs. So what's happening now is that SGX will list active ETFs. What's the difference between an active ETF and a passive ETF? Passive ETFs are what we're more aware of. They track a benchmark index and are sometimes constrained by the index rules and methodologies. Although active ETFs may use reference benchmark for performance comparison purposes, active ETFs do not track a benchmark index and are thus less constrained, potentially giving it more room to outperform the market. 
An active ETF is one that is actively managed using proprietary investment strategies and processes. The ETF is subject to active management or security selection risk. Can you explain how an investor's portfolio may benefit from an exposure to active ETFs? So while active ETFs are new in Singapore, the trend globally is actually for growing demand for active ETFs. So between 2017 and the first quarter of 2023, global AUM of active ETFs grew 374% to US dollar 412 billion. Singapore investors are increasingly sophisticated and they're well aware of this global investment trends. So we are working with SGX and a variety of brokers to host educational seminars for them to learn more about active ETFs. Let's move on to discuss further about the active ETFs. Now, the first one to be listed is a product. It will be in collaboration between yourselves, that is Lion Global Investors, and Nomura Asset Management Singapore. What will the ETF track? How will it be managed? Could you give us more details? Yeah. So as the first active ETF, and also we're going to be the first AI-powered ETF in Singapore, we will be managing the investments directly and actively using artificial intelligence, AI, and human expertise. We use artificial intelligence models, AI models, to help us identify the best stocks that should deliver outperformance. And we combine that with robust human risk management to ensure a diversified portfolio. Potentially, this gives us more room to outperform the broader market, albeit with slightly higher active management risk. Traditional passive investing merely track market cap weighted index such as the topics. That approach represents a very simplistic approach towards investing. Passive index investing tends to be heavily weighted to the largest companies by market cap, leading to the risk of market bubbles as overvalued stocks can become an ever larger part of the index. And passive funds have to keep chasing these stocks for indexation purposes. Meanwhile, some of the commonly cited advantages of following a passive ETF investing approach are actually the advantages of investing through an exchange-traded fund instrument, i.e. the benefits are actually due to the channel of investing rather than an advantage of passive investing per se. So people often say um, accessibility, liquidity, lower cost, simplicity, transparency of passive ETF investing. But these are actually attributes of investing through an ETF rather than passive investing. So we believe that an active ETF actually offers you the best of both worlds. The advantages of using an ETF channel, whilst also giving you the dynamism of an active investment approach. Furthermore, by using artificial intelligence to make the stock selection, you counteract one of the most common concerns on active investing by human fund managers, which is to avoid the human bias and emotions in decision-making process, hence ensuring that you have a disciplined approach towards investing. Thanks, Eileen. Now talk us through a bit about the investment merits of investing in Japan. Is the weak yen one of the many attractions? What are the other reasons for the keen interest by investors in Japan in the past year? What are the current prospects for the Japan market? To begin with, I believe that Japan is simply too big to ignore. So look at the current situation. You've got the world's two largest economy, the US and China. With the US-China geopolitics situations, it's becoming very hard for global investors to allocate too much to China. Meanwhile, the US is already taking up the large bulk of people's allocations. It's already more than 60-70% of most people's allocations. So the common question I get asked is, well, where else can I allocate money to? Well, maybe India, but India is actually a very expensive market already. 
at the same time, we realise that Japan's actually waking up from its 33-year slumber. And Japan is actually one of the largest economies. It's, in fact, it's the world's fourth largest economy by nominal GDP, which is gross domestic product. Right? And it's also amongst the G7, it's the only Asia-Pacific member in the G7. And within your MSCI World Index, Japan already has the second largest country allocation. So it's, it's too big to be ignored. And secondly, Japan is finally waking up from its three-decade-long slumber. So we, we looked at um, some GMO research data, which shows that Japan's historical corporate return on capital used to be half that of other developed markets, a mere 2 plus percent. And these days, it's getting much closer to 4, 4.5%, which is in line with the average developed market corporate's return on capital. And that's been, ha- that's been improving since around 2016 or so. I often get asked, well, so this time, is it different, right? And I recall what happened when I was still working in a hedge fund back in 2013, 2014. At that time, we were just off the, um, the beginnings of Abenomics. So Abe got into power in 2012, and he started pushing out a bunch of stewardship codes and governance code in 2014 and 2015. In my hedge fund, we then were on this um, very popular trade of a certain Japanese conglomerate. This conglomerate had three main divisions. One was a department store. The other bit was a bank and the third bit was a convenience store. Now, the bank and the convenience store were wildly popular, but we kept doing the analysis and we found that the department store was just perennially loss-making. And so I tried to convince management. I explained to them, look, shareholders' return on capital would significantly improve and your conglo would trade at a much better multiple if you simply sell off or shut down your department store. So when I tried to convey my message for a third time, I was very unceremoniously told to stop pushing the point. The chairman has personal reasons for keeping the department store alive and it has nothing to do with profits. I was told unequivocally, we will never sell the department store. The good news is, in November 2022, I'm pleased to share that this conglomerate did announce that it would sell its department store division. So yes, this time it is different. It has taken Japan a while to fully embrace Abenomics, but now they're doing it, they're doing it in force. In fact, in April 2022, Tokyo Stock Exchange announced a series of restructuring. It restructured its market segments into the prime segment, standard segment and growth segment. And in order to stay in the prime segment, you need to meet a minimum of 8% ROE and one times price to book. In 2023, they further required that the Tokyo Stock Exchange listed companies have to comply or or explain if they ended up trading below one times price to book. Initially, I was a little bit sceptical because I thought, well, why does it matter whether you're called prime, standard or growth? But turns out face or means is actually a very big thing for the Japanese corporates. So if if your CEO has to explain to the the board why they got downgraded from the prime segment to the growth segment or the standard segment, it is a big deal for them. As a result of that, we've seen that since 2023, over 65% of the companies that were trading at below one time price to book on the Tokyo Stock Exchange prime segment, they've announced buybacks or dividend raises up till mid-November. And a number of prominent companies have also started unwinding their cross-shareholdings in an effort to improve their ROE and deploy, redeploy capital. So corporate reforms really are taking place in Japan. And then finally, there's inflation. So the rest of the world, we don't really like inflation. But in Japan, Abenomics was brought about just to try and trigger inflation. So initially, the inflation in Japan was triggered by the global energy and supply chain crisis that we had in the wake of the Ukraine war. That plus the multi-decade low interest rate caused the yen to weaken in 2022 and 2023, raising import and consumer prices. And nominal wages then rose in response to a tight labour market. 
As a result of that, in the post-COVID environment, with post-COVID consumption and tourism, Japan's economy has transited from decades of deflation to actually having inflation. And inflation is important in Japan because it allows corporate profit margins to start improving and start driving corporate valuations because there is finally corporate growth. So what is other countries' poison is actually Japan's stimulus. These policies and trends are now driving foreign investors to reallocate back into Japan. So based on Japan Exchange Group's data, as of 30th November 2023, foreign investors have actually bought something like 3.6 trillion yen, or Sing dollars, $33 billion of Japanese equities in the year 2023 alone. And amongst these investors, that includes Warren Buffett. He first started buying into Japan in 2020 and actually increased his position in 2023. So the obvious question one might ask now is, well, okay, that's happened in 2023. Am I too late now? Well, we believe that these reforms are for the long term and it takes time to be priced in. We're just at the first innings of a big Japan story and there is time for investors to accumulate further exposure. And furthermore, um, Japan's valuation is still at a very attractive entry point. Compared to major economies like US and India, Japan is still cheaper on a PE basis, price to book basis and PEG, PEG being price earnings relative to earnings growth. So on a PE basis, Japan's at 13.8 times, US and India are at 19 times. On a price-to-book basis, Japan's at 1.3 times, US is at 4.1 times, India's at 3.4 times. And on a PEG basis, which is price earnings relative to earnings growth, um, Japan's at 1 times, US is at 1.7 times, India's at 1.5 times. So it sounds like Japan is really turning out to be an exciting story. Can you talk a bit further about how AI helps in the investment process? So our underlying philosophy at Lion Global is that there are various factors or in AI lingo, um, various features that are specific to each company, which would indicate whether such companies are candidates for potential outperformance. Typical factors are things that investors would be quite familiar with, things like having strong growth, having reasonable valuation, having improving profitability, having strong financial quality, shareholder returns, just to name a few. But the extent to which these factors are important or when these factors are important or even what combinations of these factors are important are actually something that varies from time to time. We believe that there are observable patterns in the market which determines how such factors are important indicators of potential outperformance. And such patterns in, in the factors can be detected using AI models that are designed specifically for that purpose. So the, the observation about these um, factors are observations and judgments that historically human investors would tend to make. So essentially, you can think of it as human investors have basically trained the AI model to be able to make the same observations about stocks in a fashion similar to humans. And actually, these patterns are often more complex than the average human mind is able to comprehend without the aid of machines. For example, our models are fed several hundreds of factors on each stock in the universe. And our universe covers the top 1,000 stocks in Japan. And our models learn from patterns that go as far back as 10 years back. That's millions of data points that our models are learning from. A human mind simply won't be able to cope with that many millions of data points, and humans would tend to resort to generalization or simplification. Also, AI avoids human bias and emotions. So imagine if as a senior fund manager, I teach 100 human analysts, have each of them cover 10 stocks. So that way I'd be able to cover all 1,000 stocks, right? 
but how am I able to ensure that, you know, my analyst that comes in hasn't just had an, an argument with his girlfriend or isn't worried about his son's PSLE score or just had an argument with his wife or the car's broken down? You know, they, humans tend to bring their emotions and bias into work. AI doesn't. AI doesn't have a bad day at work. So the Lion Nomura AI model has gone through a very rigorous, robust and scientific development process with oversight and input from experienced fund managers. Let's move and talk a bit about safeguards for investors of active ETFs. What would be some of these safeguards? The SGX issued a practice note which touched on fund managers having to publish indicative net asset values throughout the trading day, disclose net asset value daily, and publish fund performance and portfolio holdings on a monthly basis. Yeah, so the current active ETF framework has been developed and rigorously evaluated by SGX before it was approved. So it's a robust framework that has sufficient safeguards in place to protect investors' interests. Um, the publication of INEV for investors to have an indicative net asset value of the ETF throughout the trading day and fund performance and portfolio holdings disclosure minimally on a monthly basis aim to provide investors with more information and transparency. This also helps to ensure a fair valuation of the portfolio. The trading names of active ETFs will also start with A, capital A, to distinguish it from passive ETFs. For instance, the trading name of the SGD counter of the upcoming ETF listing is A, Lion dash Nomura Japan S dollar. And similar to passive ETF, there is at least one designated market maker to ensure that there is a two-way bid-ask quote throughout the trading day to ensure sufficient liquidity and tradability of the ETF by investors. What would be a good number of active ETFs in the market? Do you expect to see more this year after the first launch? So ETF investing is on the rise with a notable uptrend in active ETF gaining popularity. Across Asia, exchanges are also embracing this trend, offering a growing array of ETF products to meet investor demand. With that, active fund managers will be able to tap into new client base and distribution channels via broker channels. Active ETFs generally charge lower management fee, with the absence of trailer fees to be paid to the fund distributors. It will hence result in potential cost savings and improving net returns for investors. MAS has recently included ETF listing under its Grant for Equity Market Singapore GEMS scheme. This helps to defray listing-related expenses, which in turn encourages more ETF launches locally, including active ETFs. The product launch plan and timeline for individual issuers, however, is still dependent on factors that include market timing and interest from investors. Since Singapore's active ETF space is still in its early stages, we need to have more participation from issuers if we want this space to develop. Hence, we are looking forward to welcoming more launches in the coming year. So that's it from us. Singapore's first active ETF will be launched at the end of January. An active ETF is one which does not just track a benchmark index, but aims to outperform it. It identifies stocks that will outperform. Potentially, this means better performance, although the risk is higher than with a passive ETF. If you wish to find out more, you can go to the SGX website or the Lion Global Investors website. Thank you, Eiling, for your insights today. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Invest Talk, a series by the Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. I'm Lee Su Shen. If you'd like to read my column, there are links in the podcast show notes. Happy investing. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or within our Straits Times app. Thanks for listening. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations and other information in this podcast are for general information purposes only and are not intended to be relied upon as financial advice. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services or information of any third parties. All opinions expressed by participants in this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of SPH Media.